It's time for overtime. Stop what you're doing and listen. In the world of sports, it's all about the playmakers in today's headlines. From locals to the pros. With interviews from local standouts and sports all-stars across the country that will have you talking. 3-2 pitch. Fastball belted. Deep right. Long gone. Hear from coaches to players, sports analysts, and broadcasters who are a part of the action every day. Overtime. Now with Burt Ramin on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Derek Carr has a new NFL team. The Tennessee Titans are reportedly shopping Derek Henry and the Summit League semifinals on tap on the Monday edition of Overtime. Welcome into your ESPN Sioux Falls sports leader. I'm your host, Bert Ramin. Trackable online at Bert ESPN. You can track us down as a station at ESPN Sioux Falls. My, 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 what a weekend and what a news day to kick off the week. As we mentioned, Derek Carr has a new NFL team. We'll tell you all about that in a moment. Updates on John Morant throughout the show, Aaron Rodgers news, and much, much more to get to, including a wild, crazy, and fun weekend. And as you can tell from my still hoarse voice, a lot of fun cheering on the Jacks and the Yotes this weekend here in Sioux Falls. Coming up on today's show, we will recap what has happened and preview what is to come from the Summit League Tournament here at the Premier Center in Sioux Falls. We will also take a look at the Big Ten and Big 12 Tournament brackets for the first time. At 11.30, we will touch base and get you updated on all the latest news with the Sioux Falls Storm as they gear up for yet another season before too long. Tickets are now on sale and some staffing changes to be announced with head coach and general manager Curtis Riggs. The NFL Combine came and went in a flash. Big movers and shakers across the board. Uh, South Dakota State tight end Tucker Kraft was also in attendance. We will talk with Justin Sell, the athletic director, later in the show about Kraft and an update on SDSU Athletics as the Jacks look forward to today's semifinals at the Summit League Tournament. The conversation with Justin Sell will be right around 12.15 on this day in sports history in hour number two. And what would a Monday be without the good, the bad, and the ugly from the weekend? Speaking of that weekend, here is your scorecard from yesterday. Games of note in the NBA. Phoenix with a big win, 130-126 over Dallas. KD looks the part, and they get the big road win over Kyrie And Luka, the Lakers continue to win without the services of LeBron James. Anthony Davis, 39 points and eight boards. They win 113-105 at home against Golden State in a team that had Steph Curry back for the first time. The Knicks win their ninth in a row. Who saw that coming? They win on the road at Boston in double overtime, 131-129 yesterday. Milwaukee wins in Washington, 117-111. And the Clippers continue to soar as well with a 135-129 home win over the Memphis Grizzlies. Tonight in the NBA, Celtics at Cavs at 6 o'clock, Hawks at Heat at 6.30, Raptors at Nuggets at 8 o'clock. Headline, our local-ish teams. NHL, Carolina defeats Tampa Bay 6 to nothing in Raleigh last night. Philadelphia gets a home win as well over Detroit 3-1. And Seattle wins in Denver over the Avs, 3-2. Tonight in the National Hockey League, Senators and Blackhawks at 8 o'clock. Caps at Kings at 9.30, and the Predators visit the Canucks, also a 9.30 puck drop. 
Summit League Tournament Finals from yesterday on the men's side. St. Thomas got a win, 67-60 over Western Illinois. And USD falls in a nail-biter. Very tough contest, 70-68 at the hands of North Dakota State. Other finals in men's college basketball from yesterday. Top-rated Houston eked out a win over Memphis, 67-65. Illinois gave it all they could, and they ultimately fall to fifth-rated Purdue, 76-71 in the regular season finale. Wisconsin came from down seven in the first half to defeat Minnesota on the road, 71-67. And Nebraska upsets Iowa in Iowa City, 81-77. Tonight in men's college basketball, St. Thomas and Oral Roberts will be a 6 o'clock tip time from the Premier Center. And the nightcap tonight is one you don't want to miss. South Dakota State, North Dakota State at 8.30 tonight from the Premier Center. Women's basketball, Summit League Tournament Finals, Oral Roberts 92-69 winners over USD yesterday. Omaha wins over North Dakota 84-81. The two, three, and four seeds on the women's side have all been eliminated. The top seed South Dakota State will do battle here shortly, 12.30 the start time as they battle Oral Roberts. Other finals in women's basketball from yesterday, 7th-rated Iowa. How about this for a score? They win the Big Ten tournament 105-72 to over 14th-ranked Ohio State. Caitlin Clark gets her 10th triple-double in her career, 30 points, 10 rebounds, and 17 assists. Absolutely amazing. Also amazing, South Carolina, 32-0. They win the SEC tournament, 74-58 over Tennessee. Perfect season continues for the Gamecocks. Villanova and Creighton did battle yesterday as Villanova comes out on top of the Blue Jays, 63-61 in the Big East semis. Today and tonight in women's basketball, we mentioned Oral Roberts, SDSU, 12-30 tip time from the Premier Center. If you're not on your way, get on your way as uh, I will go ahead and write you a note to get out of work today to make your way to the Premier Center. 3 o'clock, the tip time for UMKC and Omaha, the other semifinal in the women's bracket. Big East final this afternoon, evening, Villanova and UConn. That's a 6 o'clock start time on FS1. And, of course, the NASCAR race from yesterday. William Byron won at Vegas. Kyle Larson was second. Alex Bowman third. Next race coming up at Phoenix on Sunday. That's a 2.30 start time. Let's dive into your Reliabank headlines of the day. For all of your banking needs, think local. Reliabank.com. Former Las Vegas Raiders quarterback Derek Carr has found a new team signing with the New Orleans Saints. Sources told ESPN's Diana Rossini earlier on today. Carr appeared to confirm the news, tweeting on Monday simply, Who dat? The Saints, who finished 7-10 and last season, were among three teams, including the Jets and the Panthers, to pursue Carr. For several weeks after the Raiders allowed the veteran quarterback to talk to teams to possibly facilitate a trade, the 31-year-old Carr visited New Orleans and met with several members of the organization over two days in early February, but there was not a trade, and ultimately Carr was released and visited with at least three teams before deciding on the New Orleans Saints today. Carr declined to waive a no-trade clause in his contract and was released by the Raiders back on February 14th. Last season, he finished with 3,500 passing yards, 24 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, and just north of a 60% completion percentage. Most of those either career lows or near career lows for Carr last year. Carr does have a familiarity and history with relatively new second-year Saints head coach Dennis Allen. That date back to 2014 when Allen was in his third season as coach of the Oakland Raiders. 
Uh, Allen was involved in selecting Carr in the second round of the 2014 draft and made the decision to start him right away as a rookie. So big news out of the NFL to start out your Bank headlines of the day. 24th rated Augustana women's basketball has made the D2 tournament. They will head to Duluth, Minnesota for the NCAA D2 Central Regional. Play begins on Friday with the six-seeded Vikings facing off with the third-seeded Missouri Southern. Augie is 24-6 and on the season, coming off its appearance in the semifinals of the NSIC tournament. The Vikings recently entered the WBCA Top 25 poll for the second time this season, checking in at number 24. Augie will make its 15th appearance in the NCAA tournament, all under head coach Dave Krauth. Krauth has announced, of course, that his retirement will be effective following the conclusion of this season. A little bit more about Missouri Southern. They're 27-6 and on the season, and they're coming off of a Mid-America Intercollegiate Athletic Association championship. Other teams in this Augie bracket, the top seed is Minnesota Duluth. The 8th seed, who will face off at the Bulldogs, Southern Nazarene. The 4-5 matchup, Central Missouri and Minnesota State. The 2-7 matchup, Nebraska Kearney and Pittsburgh State. And then Missouri Southern State and Augie are the 3-6 matchup. An unfortunate sequence of events in the final 30 seconds ended South Dakota's season at the Summit League Tournament inside the Denny Sanford Premier Center. North Dakota State got a go-ahead runner in the lane from Davis Miller with 15 seconds left and a block by Miller at the rim in the final seconds to pull out a 70-68 win. Terrific back-and-forth affair, 10 ties, 12 lead changes. South Dakota led 68-67 and got a defensive stop with just 32 seconds left. However, Cruzboro Hunt overshot Tassos Camateros with a lob over the defense, trying to push the ball into the front court, and North Dakota State took full advantage of the unforced error with Miller's runner, his 12th point of the contest. And late in that one, it got awfully interesting at the rim as Damani Hayes rolled up near the rim, receiving a great pass, great play drawn up. Hayes gathered for a dunk and was hit from the front and the back. No whistle came, and the Bison advanced to face South Dakota State in Monday night's semifinal. Interesting finish to that one. Really tough to swallow for USD. You saw it with uh, with Coach Peterson and how he reacted. Very tough call. Absolutely was a foul. Could they have swallowed the whistle there? Should they have? I don't think so. They could have, yes. There wasn't a ton of contact. There was some contact with the ball, and it looked pretty clean live. But when you look at the replay, definitely was a foul. And I wouldn't have an issue with how the game ended and and swallowing the whistle if they had been swallowing the whistle throughout the game. And they had not. North Dakota State had made a tremendous amount of trips to the line. I think it was 26 free throw attempts. And for the contact to be whistled on and whistled on throughout the contest last night and for that final play, which was heading right to the net, opportunity to take the lead, take the win for USD, for it to end like that this year at the Summit League Tournament for USD, really, really tough stuff. South Dakota State continues their play at the Summit League Men's Basketball Championship tonight at 8.30 p.m. The Jackrabbits will match up with North Dakota State. The Jacks improved to 7-1 and all-time as the number two seed at the Summit League with their 63-55 win over Omaha in the quarterfinals on Saturday. SDSU is also 25-8 and all-time in the conference tournament as the Jacks head to a semifinal round that they are 7-4 and in as a member of the Summit League. Alex Arian scored a season-high 18 points on Saturday to lift the Jacks on the offensive side over the Mavericks. SDSU split its matchups against NDSU during the regular season while sweeping the Yotes, and uh, the Jacks 
4-1 and all-time versus NDSU in the Summit League tourney, and 4-0 and against USD. Of course, the matchup tonight, SDSU and NDSU. That's an 8.30 start time tonight from the Denny Sanford Premier Center. Getting going at 12.30, just over an hour away, top uh, seed South Dakota State women's basketball takes on fifth-seeded Oral Roberts in the semifinals. SDSU advanced through the quarterfinal round with an 87-59 win over St. Thomas on Saturday. Maya Sellen led the Jacks with 15 points in SDSU, 26-5 overall. As for Oral Roberts, they defeated South Dakota 92-69 Sunday afternoon in the quarterfinal. Hannah Cooper played all 40 minutes and put up 24 points for the Golden Eagles overall. This year, ORU is 12-18 on the season. Minnesota Vikings had some news to share today as uh, the Vikings terminated the contract of longtime linebacker Eric Kendricks, making him a free agent. Kendricks has been a mainstay in the middle of Minnesota's defense for eight years, was a 2019 first-team All-Pro and Pro Bowler, champion for social justice, and a 2020 Vikings Community Man of the Year. You can read more of this article at Vikings.com. Kendricks will be a free agent and uh, as of March 15th, started 113 of the 117 games he played in purple, showing a propensity to rack up tackles and make key plays. Serving as a season-long captain for the first time last year, Kendricks wore the green dot helmet for the communications device on the defensive side, finished last year 137 tackles, eight tackles for loss, two quarterback hits, a sack, and six passes defensed. And Kendricks led Minnesota in tackles in seven of his eight seasons. So that's a domino to fall on the Vikings' defensive side. You have to wonder if Patrick Peterson is back. Harrison Smith had had rumblings of a possibly uncertain future in Minnesota. And there are a lot of movers and shakers this offseason for that defense, and there should be. That defense was arguably one of the worst down the stretch, was the worst in terms of yards per game last season. And there's a new coach. So for Kendricks to leave is awfully tough news to swallow. A really rock-solid player. He will get a job in no time and be paid very well. But there is a changing of the guard going on in Minnesota, and this is just something that was inevitable, not necessarily with Kendricks, but the change. Whether it's Kendricks or anybody else on the team, there was going to be change on this defense, and most fans welcome it, although it's hard to swallow when it's a big name and an impactful veteran such as Eric Kendricks. As we continue with your Bank headlines of the day, we'll talk a little Big Ten tournament action. Guard Caitlin Clark and the Hawkeyes didn't just win the Big Ten women's basketball tournament on Sunday. They put on an offensive exhibition that is likely to boost their status come Selection Sunday. The junior Clark got her 10th career double-double, her fourth this season, and number 2 I was 105-72 win over the Buckeyes, who were the four seed. Clark had 30 points, 17 assists, and 10 rebounds. Let's round out your Bank of the day, Reliabank headlines of the day with a couple NFL items here. First and foremost, Dan Orlovsky. Earlier on today, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max had this to say about Aaron Rodgers. Is he going to be a Packer? Is he going to retire, or is he going to be playing somewhere else? Here's the options according to Dan Orlovsky on ESPN this morning. 
Yeah, on March 6th, it just sounds like it's either the Jets or retirement for Green Bay. Those are the two options. And I think for the New York Jets, the reality is time is their enemy. And it sounds like the contract is the big sticking point in, in making this happen. Who eats money? Does Aaron rework his deal? I, I Just hearing Jeremy right now, it makes me think like the Jets are trying to make this happen and they're just trying to figure out the money aspect of it all. And they've got to figure it out because they got to know what kind of team they're going to have when they acquire Aaron Rodgers. Do they keep that first round pick? What other players do they have to get rid of in he- ahead of next week's free agency to make sure that they get some type a salary cap fit into the salary cap. So I just think it sounds like Aaron Rodgers is going to either retire or play for the New York Jets. Interesting comments there from Dan Orlovsky. Again, that this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio. So seems to be trending toward a divorce there between Rodgers and Green Bay. Every single day, my opinion moves. I don't want to say it shifts one way or the other, but I start to feel like he's going to be back. And then I think a little bit about retirement. I will say this. Lately, my opinion is that he will be back. Is that the Packers? Is that somewhere else? It seems as though with Derek Carr opting for the New Orleans Saints that the Jets might deliver quite an offer to the Packers if he is available. And I think that that is the most likely scenario at this point is the New York Jets because the Raiders really haven't shown their hand and haven't shown a tremendous amount of interest yet, although the Packers could be more interested there because of the higher draft pick. The Raiders pick seventh in this year's draft with the Jets pick in the low teens. So for Rodgers, according to Orlovsky, it's retire or play for the Jets. That means the Packers have moved on. They're ready for Jordan Love. Do I 100% buy into that? No, because the Packers had committed to Rodgers just an offseason ago on a big two-year deal that pays Rodgers the $60 million to be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Some things have changed since last year. Not a ton has. But if I had to guess, I still think there's an opportunity for him to come back to Green Bay. That doesn't mean Jordan Love will be moved. Jordan Love will just have to ride the pine for another year. But for $60 million, it's going to be a little hard to move on that salary. It might be a reworking of a deal. But Dan Orlovsky seems to think it is trending towards divorce between Rodgers and the Packers. Other NFL news as we wrap up this first segment of the day here on Overtime. This according to BallySports.com. The Tennessee Titans have been reportedly shopping Derrick Henry. That's according to Michael Silver of BallySports.com. You can find this article at ProFootballTalk.NBCSports.com. Henry is due a base salary of just over $10 million this year, none of which is guaranteed. So an opportunity to rework a deal with one of the premier NFL running backs out there for a team. But the Titans clearly in a shifting offseason mode. New general manager at the helm and Rand Carthon. They recently recommitted to Ryan Tannehill. Also have Malik Willis in the fold at quarterback. A couple young wide receiver pieces. Interesting defense. Interesting head coach. But Derrick Henry might not be a piece of the puzzle in 2023 for the Tennessee Titans. Those are your Reliabank Bank headlines of the day. When we come back, we will break down the Summit League tournament, give you a look at the Big Ten and Big 12 tournament selection Sunday, less than a week away for men's basketball across the country. Back after this with more of Overtime on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. Now, this is ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. 
Hope everybody had a great weekend. I know I did. Spent a lot of time out at the Denny Sanford Premier Center. We'll be back there before too long as the Jackrabbits in action at 1230 today on the women's side, battling Oral Roberts and the Jacks on the men's side, 830 tonight. you got to stay up late, but it'll be worth it, a battle with North Dakota State. Back on overtime, you can track me down on Twitter at Burt ESPN or us as a station at ESPN Sioux Falls. Let's take a look at what has happened at the Summit League tournaments on the men's and women's side and what is still to come. Things got going on Friday. First game of the tourney, St. Thomas, Western Illinois. Tommies win that one. The other play-in was Denver and UMKC, and it didn't take long to get a buzzer beater as UMKC gets just that, moves on to face North Dakota State. On Saturday, 12.30 was the start time. Jackrabbits, a little bit of a slow start. Trailed at the end of 1, 18-14, but they ultimately win against St. Thomas to advance to today's semifinal. That final on Saturday for SDSU women's basketball, 87-59. Other finals from Saturday, UMKC with an upset over North Dakota State, 71-64. On to Sunday, South Dakota never really got it going. Did have a nice stretch out of the halftime break, but ultimately Oral Roberts with a dominant win, 92-69. And then Omaha over North Dakota, 84-81. to So as we mentioned previously in the show, the two, three, and four seeds have all been eliminated on the women's side. So today, SDSU-ORU, 12-30, 3 o'clock in the other semifinal, UMKC and Omaha, as that Cinderella story on that side continues to unfold. As for the men's side of things, things got going Friday night with North Dakota be- uh, beating Denver in the play-in for the right to face ORU. Other play-in matchup was UMKC and Omaha. The Mavericks get the seed upset there as the Mavericks would move on to play South Dakota State. Saturday's action, Oral Roberts defeated North Dakota 96-80. to South Dakota State got by Omaha. Grind it out style game. That final 63-55. to A little bit too close for comfort in that one. And my voice can tell you that one was uh, very close down the stretch. St. Thomas yesterday got a win over Western Illinois 67-70. 67-60 rather. And South Dakota fell in a nail-biter, very close, tough call at the end. USD falls 70-68 to to North Dakota State. So the semis today, 6 o'clock the tip time for Max Acemas and Oral Roberts against St. Thomas. 8.30 the start for South Dakota State and North Dakota State tonight from the Denny Sanford Premier Center. I'll be giving away tickets at the end of this segment for the women's title game that will be coming up tomorrow. So be sure to keep on listening and dial away when I call for are winners. Big 10 and Big 12 men's basketball tournament brackets have been revealed. We will start with the Big 12. The Iowa State Cyclones earned a five seed. They will face off with fourth seeded Baylor. They've earned a first round bye and that first matchup for Iowa State and Baylor will be game three of the total tournament. 11.30 start time on Thursday. It can be viewed on ESPN2. The play-in games for the Big 12. West Virginia and Texas Tech for the right to face off with top seeded Kansas. The other play-in is the 7-10. That's OK State and Oklahoma for the right to face off with Texas. So the four teams uh, that are the top four seeds, Kansas, Texas, Kansas State, and Baylor. And Baylor will face off with Iowa State. Things got really interesting this season in Big Ten men's basketball. Of course, a logjam in the middle. Purdue on top. The Boilers win a record number of Big Ten titles. Who knew that? 
that Purdue had the most Big Ten basketball titles on the men's side. I surely did not. They are in the top seed. They've got the double bye along with two-seeded Northwestern, the three-seed Indiana, and the four-seed Michigan State. The play-in games, Ohio State-Wisconsin, that's the 13-12 matchup respectively. Winner of that one will face off with fifth-seeded Iowa. Nebraska-Minnesota is the other play-in, and that is a 9 o'clock start time or 8 o'clock central start time on Wednesday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the beginning of the Big Ten basketball tournament. Ohio State-Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Nebraska are the two matchups on Wednesday. Ohio State-Wisconsin winner faces off with Iowa, and the winner between the Huskers and the Gophers moves on to play Maryland. Other seeds, we got you the top four, Purdue, Northwestern, Indiana, Michigan State, the five-seed Iowa, six-seed Maryland, seven Illinois, eight Michigan, and Michigan will battle Rutgers in their first-round game. That's a look at the latest for the Big Ten, the Big 12 men's basketball tournaments, as well as a recap and preview of all the movers and shakers at the Summit League. Do you want to go to the women's basketball title game? Give me a call, 605-362-3776. I have a pair of tickets, and they are great seats to the women's title game at the Summit League. Hoping the Jacks will be there. they got to get by Oral Roberts at 1230. But if you want to go to the title game, be my caller number 5 right now, 605-362-3776. 605-362-3776. i got a pair of tickets to tomorrow afternoon's Women's Championship at the Summit League Basketball Tournament. Caller number 5 will win this pair of tickets right now on Overtime. It's game time 24 all. It's all here on ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Rolling along with our number one of overtime right here on your Sioux Falls Sports Leader, Denny Sanford Premier Center. The Summit League tournament continuing today. Game start at 1230 with the Jackrabbit women taking on ORU. And then throughout the day, two more games in the nightcap. SDSU men's basketball taking on North Dakota State. It's semifinal Monday at the Summit League Tournament. Everything getting hashed out with the championship games tomorrow afternoon and evening from the Summit League. Still an opportunity to win some tickets later on in the show, both today and tomorrow. So stay tuned and be near your phone. You can always plug the ESPN hotline number into your phone, 605 362 3776. We will head to the ESPN hotline now to talk a little area football as Curtis Riggs, the head coach and GM of the Sioux Falls Storm, has dialed us up and joins us on this Monday edition of Overtime. Coach, welcome back in. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good. Doing well. Doing well. It's always great to hear from you. I know the season uh, continues to creep uh, forward and cre- creep closer. You guys will have the home opener. On April 9th, the season officially gets started on April Fool's Day. And that's not a fool. It's April 1st, and it's going to be uh, Quad City Steam Wheelers on the road in Moline. Since we last talked to you, uh, tickets have gone on sale. You've also made some staffing announcements. We will start uh, with the tickets being on sale today. And, and now, I think it was Friday, they officially went on sale. And you can find out more information. Track them down on Twitter, at Sioux Falls Storm. And again, uh, the latest on this schedule, what do you make of the overall schedule and maybe the first three or four games for your team, including that home opener against Iowa? Well, I, you know, I, I think it's a, a schedule that with familiarity, uh, you know, we, we've competed with Quad Cities in Iowa for quite a few years now. And, and um, 
Uh, Quad Cities went on quite a run last year to, to get into the playoffs and then make it all the way to the championship game. And, um, you know, they, their quarterback was offensive player of the year last year. And he'll be tough. It'll be difficult. It's a tough environment. It's a, their arena is much like the old arena in Sioux Falls. It's very compact. The fans are right on top of you. And um, there's just not a lot of room. There's not a lot of space in there. Yeah, a lot to look forward to moving forward in the season. Again, the season opener April 1st, home opener April 9th. And the Iowa Barnstormers, obviously a historic franchise just like the Storm. Curtis Riggs, head coach and general manager of the Storm, is our guest. It's year number 19 for you, Coach. I know that uh, it seems nowadays that uh, the seasons come and go probably pretty darn quick, but uh, new coaches coming in and coaches returning to the staff has been the uh, the item of news <coughs> Uh, for you recently, new additions to the staff this season include Andre Fields as the assistant head coach and defensive coordinator, Peyton Riggs as the OC and wide receivers coach, and Nick Pappas as the offensive line coach. Um, I know every year is a little bit different, but uh, give me a comment or two on on the new additions and the returners uh, for the Storm staff this year. Well, it's Coach Fields, um, and also being assistant head coach, it's it's just bringing in someone that's been part of the long lasting tradition of the Sioux Falls storm. Um, you know, he is very good when he gets in front of, uh, the players building relationships, knowing the X's and O's, uh, and then works very well with our, our defensive line coach, Corey Johnson, uh, the two of them, um, we'll also have some other help, but those be the two main guys handling the defense. And then Peyton Riggs, my son, um, you know, just came back from working for coach DeBoer at university of Washington. Um, he's been part of the storm since he was a baby. So, uh, um, he's very familiar with how things work, uh, the play calling he's been involved in our system for numerous years. And, and now it's time for him to kind of branch out and start to do things on, do things on his own. How did, uh, everything go? I know it was a very successful move for coach DeBoer up there. He's continuously in the news. It seems like he's got that program in the right direction. Uh, how was everything up at Washington uh, for Peyton? And and then lastly, I know you're a USF guy, and you've got an Augie guy joining the staff in in Coach Pappas. And and what do you make of that hire? Uh, Coach Pappas is um, you know someone that's passionate about football, and he he works a job that it works out well to where he can um, continue to work his full time job and then still be a part of the storm and, and help us out. I think um, it's going to be a a learning experience for him working with this caliber athlete, Um, but it's one that he'll put a ton of time in. He'll be ready to go, and I I think he'll be a great addition for us. Again, new staff additions this season, Andre Fields, Peyton Riggs, and Nick Pappas. Nick Pappas uh, played here at Augie from 2010 to 2014, also blocked for future NFL fullback C.J. Ham, Coach, uh, we talked to you last time a few weeks ago on the show about roster building and recruiting talent. Uh, any other uh, notable names making their way, and how's the roster coming along for you guys ahead of the season kickoff in April? You know, it's come along well. I mean, we had a unique experience to where we partnered with the XFL, and so players that were cut, the final cuts of training camp for the XFL, our league had a supplemental draft, and so – you know, we picked um, uh, eight players. We tried to take local talent that got released. Uh, you, you know, Caleb Vandenesh uh, from USD, Eric Hansen that played at Upper Iowa is a very talented individual, a defensive lineman. We took him first. Now it's it's getting them to realize, hey, we got to play. We got to be visible. 
um, getting them to come in, play, and try to move back up to the XFL. I want to ask you one other question here, Coach, before we let you go, and just kind of like a scheme sort of question. I know people uh, are used to watching football on the TV, whether it be college football or NFL, and there's things that are trendy as far as offenses go, whether it be the RPO or whether it be two tight ends and a single back uh, in the backfield or a lot of motion and movement to see what the defense is doing. Uh, I would assume it's the same in the indoor football league with with trends of that nature and, and different things coming down the pike, but when you look at, at the game today versus the game 19 years ago when it was your first season as head coach, what are some big changes you've seen, whether it be formationally, movement before the snap, that uh, that fans can be made aware of? What are some changes you've seen in the last few years? Well, the, the biggest thing is safety. Um, you know, the trend, and, and people don't really think about They think just big hits. But uh, we, we had a lot of rules that made the game dangerous. I mean, we, we have receivers that can – attack the line of scrimmage in full speed motion. Um, and before, they used to be able to just fly down the field and hit a stationary defender, a defensive lineman. And, um, you, you know, things like that have been eliminated. And it's for the good. It's for the safety of the players. And um, we want it to be fast-paced. We want it to be exciting. But we still want to make sure we want these guys to be able to walk out of the arenas and, and feel good about what they're doing. Sioux Falls Storm season kicks off April 1st on the road as they'll face off with the Quad City Steam Wheelers and their home opener April 9th, the Sunday, 5.05 p.m., the kickoff at the Premier Center in Sioux Falls. Season tickets now on sale. Single-game tickets also available for purchase, and you can find out more at Sioux Falls Storm on Twitter. That's the 19th-year head coach and general manager, Curtis Riggs, of the Sioux Falls Storm. Uh, Coach, we appreciate the time, as always. Hope to talk to you again soon. Bert, awesome. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Again, more information, SiouxFallsStorm.com. You can also follow them on Twitter, at Sioux Falls Storm. Kickoff April 1st for the season. April 9th is the home opener, and a total of seven home games this year. So a lot of uh, opportunity to get out and support one of the local pro sports teams here in the 605 and surrounding area. Special thanks to Coach and GM Curtis Riggs for swinging by the show. There's plenty, 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 plenty of news out of the NFL to get to today, including breaking down some of the tremendous performances from the NFL scouting combine over the last week and weekend. A couple updates on the quarterbacks, one of which is now a surefire first-round draft pick, a guy that was deemed a project quarterback, put up some historic numbers at the NFL combine over the weekend. We'll tell you who he is if you can't guess it already and where he might go in the NFL draft coming up in just a few months. Back with more NFL news, combine news, and much more on Overtime on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. Lewis Truck has been around. We are ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Never a boring day in the NFL offseason these days as we've got some new breaking news to share out of the NFL per ESPN.com. Todd Archer getting an article out there recently, the Dallas Cowboys making A big move as they will place the franchise tag on running back Tony Pollard, a source told 
ESPN's Adam Schefter. The 2023 franchise tender for running back is worth just over $10 million. The deadline for teams to use the tag, and keep this in mind with other situations across the league, the deadline for the tag is Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Cowboys would like to sign Pollard to a multi-year deal and met with his agent at last week's scouting combine if they are unable to reach an agreement by July 15th. Pollard would have to play the season on the $10 million tag. A fourth-round pick in 2019, Pollard had his breakout year last year, also earned a spot at the Pro Bowl with 1,007 yards rushing. Might not seem like a lot, but he was sharing a backfield with a former Pro Bowler in Ezekiel Elliott. Although he did have surgery to repair a high ankle sprain suffered in the playoff loss against the Niners, and that kept him out of the Pro Bowl festivities. Pollard is a dual-threat running back, can catch and run with the best of them, and the decision on Pollard is likely to affect the future of Ezekiel Elliott, who is slated to make $10.9 million and count $16.72 million against the cap this season. The Cowboys could approach Elliott regarding a significant pay cut or save $4.8 million with his release. Again, the new league year starts on March the 15th, so we're still nine days away, but a ton of people could be cut including Eric Kendricks, who got cut by the Vikings earlier on today, as we shared with you earlier on this hour. A lot of cuts still could happen before that 15th beginning of the league year. That's when the salary cap kicks in and all the uh, contracts on the books officially become uh, part of that salary cap figure. So the Cowboys, with some problems to figure out in the backfield as they lock up Tony Pollard, but a bigger cap number Uh, on a player that was not tagged in Ezekiel Elliott. Another running back from the NFL will be on the franchise tag. The Las Vegas Raiders are planning to use the tag on reigning NFL rushing champ Josh Jacobs for the upcoming season. Franchise tag for running backs, again, $10.09 million. Players on the tag have until mid-July to reach a long-term deal. NFL Network was the first to report that the Raiders plan to use the tag on Jacobs. Jacobs Picked a fine time to have a career year as he was in a contract year last year. And what did he do? He went out there and led the NFL in rushing 1,653 yards, joining Marcus Allen and Clem Daniels as the only players in franchise history to win the league rushing title. Jacobs also led the NFL with over 2,000 all-purpose yards. Best part about this move from a Raiders perspective, Raiders fan perspective, is it's a low-risk Relatively high-cost contract, $10 million for a year. But Josh Jacobs is just 25 years old. So when you talk about guys losing tread at age 30, he still has at least five years of what could be top-tier production. And the tag doesn't mean that he will definitively play with the Raiders. He could be tagged and traded, could be tagged and agreed to a long-term deal with Vegas. So it opens up quite a bit of possibility. And I don't think teams really value players playing on the tag as much as they do using the tag as a tool to continue negotiations. So Josh Jacobs, an opportunity to continue working on a long-term deal with the Raiders in a a place in an offense where he absolutely thrived. We talked Derek Carr and him signing with the Saints, his stats from last year, not good. And that was with the services of Devontae Adams, albeit Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro battled injuries throughout the year. For what Derek Carr wasn't able to do last year, Josh Jacobs had the best season of his career and one of the best seasons in franchise history. 
Other NFL news, the Los Angeles Rams are expected to release outside linebacker Leonard Floyd if they cannot trade him first. That's according to league sources that told Adam Schefter. Floyd has a $22 million cap hit in 2023. If the Rams cut him before June 1st, they would incur $19 million of dead money in 2023 and save $3 million in cap space. So it hardly seems viable or smart to release Leonard Floyd, but the Rams are in a point where their methodology is finally catching up with them. They could have a really, really tough next three or four years in the league, and it would still be worth it. They did win a Super Bowl doing it the short-term way, but now that short-term way has turned into longer-term consequences for the Rams. Lucky they won it all, because with the roster constructed the way that it is, this would have happened regardless of the Super Bowl win or not, and the Rams are having a lot of people come calling for money, and they're not going to be able to pay these folks. Leonard Floyd, $22 million cap hit. If he's released, they would save just $3 million. That other 19 would still be due to Leonard Floyd. News from the NFL scouting combine yesterday and over the weekend. How about this on two different quarterbacks? We'll start out with what many believe surefire first quarterback off the board, Bryce Young. One of the top players available in the draft, his whole bugaboo and the concerns about him, nothing mental, nothing physical, no character concerns, big-time student of the game. The concerns over Bryce Young are simple. He is not a big person. Five foot ten and an eighth, 204 pounds. And the 204 pounds many people laughed at because in college he was not 204. Played more around the 190 weight. And, of course, this whole process just like it's the reverse for him to a weigh-in before a boxing match or a wrestling match where you have to cut weight and cut weight and cut weight. For Bryce Young and his agents, it's probably been an eat-a-thon over the last two weeks as he bulks up to 204, and that would make him the lightest round one quarterback since at least 2006 and one of the shortest passers drafted since the merger in 1967. Five foot ten and an eighth. And Young's hand measurements came back at nine and three quarters of an inch. Young, who has been listed at Alabama as six feet, 194, is the number one ranked player by ESPN draft analyst Todd McShay and the fourth ranked player on Mel Kuyper Jr.'s big board. Comparison, comparable player, Kyler Murray, short quarterback, five foot ten and an eighth, exact same height, but 207 pounds. And you look at Kyler Murray. His weight has never been a big concern. His overall size, yes, he's short, but he's stocky and muscular, and Bryce Young does not have the same build that Kyler Murray does. So Bryce Young, same height, a little bit lighter, and not as stocky of a build as that of Kyler Murray. So interesting situation for me personally as I look at these quarterbacks and have watched them in college and watch film and see them at the Combine I still think Bryce Young is the safest pick as far as risk and reward. He's not the riskiest pick. The riskiest pick would be Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. The reward is all Bryce Young. His performances at the biggest stage of college football year in and year out have been amazing. And he is not a reason for a down year at Alabama last year. He and the team did not meet expectations. They were still very competitive, dominant bowl win over Kansas State. And Bryce Young receiving criticism over things that are out of his control. Be that what it may, still the best quarterback 
that will be drafted this year as we stand today. I'm not saying that he'll have the best career. The size thing could catch up to him, but there have been some pretty good smaller quarterbacks in the league. Kyler Murray is a good player. He has issues, obviously, with personnel from last year or focusing on the game or whatever it might be. As it was linked with the playing video game stuff a few years ago and all this, and then the turmoil with Coach Cliff Kingsbury. Russell Wilson is not a gigantic football player. He's on the smaller side. Bryce Young is way smaller. Drew Brees, also a guy that comes to mind. But Bryce Young will have to answer these questions with nothing short of just playing high-quality football. He'll have the opportunity to do that as uh, the NFL draft approaches. The big winner of the weekend, Florida Gators quarterback Anthony Richardson has referred to himself as Cam Jackson because he liked Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson so much. During the quarterback workouts at the NFL Scouting Combine on Saturday, Richardson looked every bit as physically imposing as Newton and ran almost like Jackson. Six foot four, 244 pounds. Richardson set combine records for a quarterback with a vertical jump of 40 and a half inches, broad jump of 10 feet nine. And Richardson, in his only attempt, then uncorked an official 4-4-3 40-yard dash. To put that in perspective, according to ESPN.com, Newton at the 2011 Combine was 6'5", 248, and ran a 4-6-0 40-yard dash. Newton, uh, Newton, the future league MVP, also had a 35-inch vertical. So the vertical jump of 40 and a half inches, freakish athleticism. Anthony Richardson, the fourth fastest quarterback by 40 time in combine history, trailing Reggie McNeil, Robert Griffin III, and Marcus Vick. Not Michael Vick, Marcus Vick. So Anthony Richardson takes a tremendous jump up NFL draft boards, and for those Vikings fans out there and fans of teams that have later first-round picks, you're not going to get Anthony Richardson there. You could move up and get him, but that kid is now a top 10, top 12 pick at absolute worst in the upcoming NFL draft. And yes, it's the Underwear Olympics. A lot of this might not translate to the football field. There's bigger things than jumping and throwing and running fast. But a big winner of the Combine, and the biggest winner, Anthony Richardson, now should be a top 12, top 10 pick. Wouldn't surprise me if he's a top 5 pick in the NFL draft. Four quarterbacks presumed to be in the top 10. A lot of NFL Draft News continues to unfold day in and day out. We'll have Dustin Baker on Thursday, lining up other guests throughout the week as well to talk NFL and the latest from the Combine and the NFL Draft. When we come back, hit you with the high noon Reliabank headlines of the day. We'll talk to SDSU Athletic Director Justin Sell later in the show, back after this on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. If you had the energy you 